0: Hmm. I have, honest, it have so much time
1: Spaceship crew is assembling. Hello, and Chloe Destromo. Could you uh, give a, a, a brief report on our last five days?
2: Yes. The brief report is, it was extraordinary. It was archetypal. And we had edge workers from, I don't, not really all over the world, but all over Europe and people from Israel. And it was probably the, the lab where I felt people the most committed to dive into the underworld. And so the check-in was. Everybody says, "I want to, I want to go into my underworld. I want to um, harvest the jewels from my underworld." So we did the hidden purpose process, which is an archetypal process that takes between you know a couple hours plus other parts afterwards, and and people were really working hard to get clarity about their unconscious purpose, and that. It makes me really glad because I, from my experience, when I'm around people who are clear about their shadow purpose, their hidden purpose, what their gremlin is up to, if they're not aware of where their gremlin is, then I, there's a part of me that can relax. And when people are not aware, it is at work unconsciously almost all the time. And, I, and so I need to watch out. I need to be really on guard. And, and so really after we did the, the hidden purpose process on the second day and, uh, and after that, it was uh, the whole space really changed and, and the village came together and, and people were supporting each other and giving experiments and su- yeah, supporting each other and experimenting and, and, and enter in really intimacy, deep intimacy spaces with the clarity of the underworld. So that's a short report.
1: Uh, This is a short report from the five day possibility lab, possibility village lab here here in Portugal, with 24 participants plus, and Chloe and me plus, including um, Vera Franco and Sofia Magdalena, who are. Trainers also and Joanna Cruz, who is in the space holder for the Portugal uh, trainer path group. So we had a a wonderful team and powerful participate, powerful participation from everybody. So uh, as you can imagine, that's our second week in a row. So our circuits are well greased for lightning. So just beware for today's. Exploration. Don't worry if it feels a little intense. I see a group of three witches over there in Florida who are <laughs> look how fast they put their hands up, man. That's amazing. <laughs> three witches and their dogs, I heard. Witches and dogs, you know, pirates, they used to have these parrots on their shoulders, but they can't they can't do that nowadays. They, because the parrots they just shit down their back so nowadays pirates have dogs so i don't know if these are pirates or witches or witch pirates or whatever you guys are so nice to see you i'm getting ready to jump right into the book reading i I do like to see if anybody has to say anything Phyllis, hello. I see you, and I, I heard that you were participating in the in the trainer path or the trainer path call or something that was happening in America. And I was just glad to hear about that. And do you, anything from the Eugene, Oregon department? Nope. <laughs> but I've been
0: yeah, I've been participating in that group from the beginning.
1: Wow, great. I'm yeah. glad about. To- Anything? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have, need to say anything before we get started here? Yes, yeah, Stephanie.
2: Yeah, hello together. Um, like many of, I'm happy, I'm glad that I can, that I can join Life now and many of you won't know me but i feel like i'm already kind of part of this group because i listened to all the recordings from the beginning so i think i feel more included than yeah kind of than you see me because it's for many of you the first time that i'm joining and i've been joining a couple of sparks before and yeah i'm really glad to be here today
1: welcome thank Thank you stephanie (laughs) thank you All right, I, I'm one of the reasons I'm very pretty excited about reading this section, we're at page 81 and the section's called The Box, it's section 4C, because it really, it starts to open up this whole construct, energetic construct that we have inside of ourselves. That, for example, just this
0: morning I was able to Facility process with one of the participants
1: from the engineering process that uh, reveals or investigates the memetic construct that we live inside of, inside of ourselves, that we make up as kind of a survival bridge or format for interfacing with the world. And part of the birth, part of the mimetic construct that we've fabricated inside of ourselves, and the box is one way to to dive into it because. The active part of this box defense strategy is the gremlin, is that gremlin part. And what we've learned since this book was written is how often we, a person will inter, like, contaminate our adult ego state with the gremlin ego state as a way of managing our environment and it's very effective even as a child oftentimes with children you can see how quickly they activate their gremlin with regards to authority figures like parents or teachers or rules or their environment other kids and things will activate the the gremlin part as a as a defense strategy and it protects them. The gremlin has this power of protection to keep things the same for our box. However, to try to enter the adult ego state then, it becomes, um, it's impossible actually, without the gremlin showing up simultaneously, which means that the adult ego state is contaminated by the gremlin ego state, and we've figured out how there's far more of us that have done that than we previously thought. And the work for extracting ourselves from this condition is a a serious two-year engagement of a certain kind of practice. And I'll get into that further, but I wanna I just wanted to say that we've learned all this since writing the book, but I'll try to add it in as we go along to juice, you know, power you up for your work with this stuff. I'm I'm sure a number of you are familiar with it
0: already. Here we go. The box. I wanna make a side comment here. I'm gonna turn my microphone.
1: We usually forget the number and variety of possible new actions we could take in every moment and in every circumstance, we usually forget that the number of and variety of possible new actions that we could take in every moment and in every circumstance is practically unlimited. We forget that we always have direct access to all possible options. I just want to comment. This is this is one of the most scary discoveries in possibility management. When when you enter the adult ego state and extricate yourself from this set of beliefs and the set of rules, or social social pressures, all of these things. When you when you can free yourself from this, um, we call it, matrix of of restrictions, when you free yourself from that and enter the present moment as an adult, you realize that every option is an option. And every option means things with with dire consequences. Things that one would not normally conceive and consider as a possibility, that possibility shows up along with all the other possibilities. So every possibility is an option. And I'm just saying here at the beginning that we usually forget that every, every possibility is an option and that we have direct access to all possible options. We forget that if someone backs their car into our car, we could invite them to dinner, or we could call our mother. We could stop talking on the telephone or teach them a new song to sing. We forget that when our partner does not hold our hand, we can hold theirs. What causes us to behave the way we behave? What causes us to ignore the untold numbers of options that seem available to other people, but not available to us? Why can we do something that another person cannot do and vice versa? In investigating and answering these questions, we notice that differences between us and other people derives from specific factors, for example, attitudes, assumptions, beliefs, expectations, reasons, perspectives, concepts, prejudices, meanings, conclusions, projections, opinions, stories, decisions, interpretations, strategies, and so on. These are the factors that establish and regulate our relationship to the infinite possibilities available to us in each moment. These factors are the structural components of what we could call our box. Our box stands like a firewall between us and the rest of the world. The box has been recognized and called by other names such as worldview, mindset, belief system, psychological defense strategy, personality, mentality, self-image, comfort zone, ego structure, or identity. So we will simply call it the box. What is the purpose of our box? Through simple observations, we can discover that the box to buffer us from the unknown. What is in the box is the known. What is outside the box is the unknown. The purpose of our box then is protection, comfort, self-definition, and security. When it comes to the bottom line, the purpose of our box is to ensure our survival. I just want to throw in here that there's, there's nothing good or bad about any box survival strategy that you adopt. If it works, that's, that's the ultimate <clears throat> measurement of your, of your box is if it works, if you survive. How does the box control our behavior with regard to our environment? the box acts like a 360 degree filter controlling everything. It's like this filter that controls everything we can perceive and everything that we can express. And it's hard to get a grasp on how important that is because if we don't know, we don't perceive something, there's no way to even make an effort to try to perceive it because we're not even aware that we don't perceive it. And, and the same thing with ex- expressing. Um, I'm sure if you work with people in single coaching processes, you discover how how si- sincerely people are dedicated to not expressing freely their ex- themselves, their voice, their presence, their people are, are sincerely committed <clears throat> to not expressing themselves. And it's this box that has the grip on us that that it really, there's this vast and complex environment. These little pieces that the box will allow us to see and interpret for us to understand in a specific kind of way. It It probably says it later on, but it's like, it's like what our box does then is lets us see or not see certain people around us. For example, <clears throat> I could be in relationship with this person, the box tells me. You know, it says this person good person to be in relationship with. Well, of course, that person has a box construct that fits ours perfectly. And a lot of the requirements of the of the box for a good fit, quote unquote, good fit, a lot of those requirements are unconscious. So what that means is the box has this filter that can provide a perfect match for, for example, our gremlin to have an ongoing source of gremlin food. And this might be unconscious for us. This is probably why so many relationships are, are based on, having an ongoing source of high quality gremlin food meaning arguments competition jealousy getting revenge sabotage undermining backstabbing the usual low drama that you might see ongoing in subtle ways in the relationships of the people around you maybe maybe even in your history of relationship so so Allowing the box to have the most powerful force in our in our relationship life and until we become aware of and take back the radical responsibility for choosing the things that our box would choose for us until we do that, letting the box have control of ourselves, the outcome is probably not a pretty sight. It's probably Based on childhood wounds and unfulfilled needs and old stories and old decisions and and the stuff that the box is made of that will that will act in its own behalf to maintain our quote unquote comfort zone, even though it may be an uncomfort zone like it, a lot of a lot of us are accustomed to a certain level of uncomfort such as the unspoken, um, what do you call it? It's like stress. The unspoken uh, background conversations that you that you see in in relationships a lot of times, like this unspoken stuff going on, that might be normal. That might be the normal. So, for example, so if you don't have, like, for example, if your parents had these incomplete emotional wounds with each other and could never complete them and never compute it you know heal that it's is we end up duplicating this sort of we think that this is normal and we we end up creating a relationship for ourselves that includes the stress of incompleted emotional communications as as the normal for us so if the box is in control if if the if we remain unaware of this distinction called box, and it therefore, because it's unaware, it's in charge, and the, the choices that it makes for us reproduce a normal that, that from an objective point of view is painful and horrible. It's, it's, it's disrespectful of the, of, the, of the good luck of having been born in a human body and having a life to live. It doesn't respect, doesn't pay respects to that. So, so it, at the same time, it can destroy a whole worldview to realize that the thing that has been making your decisions is your box, uh, a mechanical dead machine that is a has a, a survival level life planned out for you to maintain you in a survival level life, and that, to realize that to recognize the actions that the gremlin box combination takes on its own behalf to defend itself to maintain our our that that comfort zone <clears throat> that can be shocking it can be so so hopefully it, as you've been going on this journey you let it be shocking i mean the more you discover about the levels and complexities of the way your box and other people's boxes interact, the more awareness you have of that, the more choice you have around that, that what you free up, free yourself up for is access to the extraordinary and then eventually archetypal levels of interaction and relationship. Whereas by not making this distinction, you know you look around at the people in the restaurant or your friends and and relatives and you go, oh my God, they don't know that the box is talking. They don't know that these two boxes are talking to each other. People, they don't recognize this. And what a shame it is, how much is lost, how much, uh, how much uh, mechanical nature there is in the relationship. So the, uh, the atomic, automatic nature of the relationship. Who made our box? I'm going back to reading. There are two answers to this question. The first and by far the most common answer, the answer we use without thinking is, they made my box. My parents made my box, society, culture, the media. The second answer is less common. I made my box. These are the two choices you have about who made your box. Since the experts are still arguing about the nature or nurture question, like are we built by our environment or are we built by our evolution, ourselves? The question, we get to choose which answer we use about who made our box. So what's the difference between the two answers? If you choose the answer number one, that they made your box, then if you want to change your box, you have to wait around until those who made, who made your box make up their minds to come and do whatever it takes to make your box better, to change your box. How many of us are waiting around for mom or dad to come and hug us, to tell us that we're wonderful, that they love us, that they are proud of us? We are powerless victims waiting around for them, the ones that made our box, to heal us and make it different for us. Show of hands of people here on the study group here, but um, there's these details where we're waiting around to get approval or acceptance or some kind of definition from the outside of ourselves. We've given our authority away to those outside of us to say we're okay, or to say we have something to offer to the world or to say that we have a right to live, or to speak out, or to show up, or to create things. We wait around for somebody to give us this. That's choice number one, they made our box. If you choose answer number two, that I made my box, then it's a very different answer. You are no longer a victim. You do not have to wait around for anybody to do anything with you. You can make new decisions and redesign your box anyway without asking permission from anyone. You are then fully responsible for your box, for yourself and for what you make out of your life. Making choice number two means you have no one else to blame about who you are and how things turn out for you no one else to blame ever for anything and this is this is the basis of possibility management i'm commenting here but the basis of possibility management is this point of origin of radical responsibility it's i'm responsible for the whole outcome i'm responsible for what is and what is not going on in my life and that's you can you start that you enter that domain by recognizing that you made your box. I, I just want to tell this short story, which is I was born to parents who, in, who had a commitment with each other towards their children to be radically fair with, with the three boys. So I was the oldest, and then my next brother was born in uh, one year later almost. And then my next brother was born two and a half years later. So we were very close together in age. And my parents were really fair. They were so fair that it was really terrible on Christmas because whoever opened one of the packages, then for example, we get a new shirt or some some new baseball glove or something that as soon as that first one opened their package the the other two of us knew exactly what we were getting for christmas we didn't even have to open the presents we already knew what was inside so it was it was excruciatingly fair at the same time that we had such a a force field around us that wanted to be to give us exactly the same opportunities the three of us ended up quite different from each other my youngest brother was in and out of heroin clinics six times and my middle brother was so addicted to alcohol that I had a ride with him and one morning I visited him and the first place we stopped was a liquor store and he came out with a small brown bag wrapped around a bottle and he, he was drinking out of that before we could even, his hands would stop shaking enough to even drive down the road in the car. So. Uh, And me, I went, you know, I was a good boy and went off to college and got a degree in physics. And the other other two guys never even, they barely graduated high school like that. So, So I'm sure you each have some kind of story like that. If you have brothers and sisters that you look around and even though you had the same parents often, you turned out quite differently. Did anybody have that, that you, you turned out quite differently from your brothers and sisters? Yeah. So so that's this is a kind of confirmation, experiential confirmation of choice number two. I made my box. Because if the parents made the box, we'd all be the same. I also had friends who were identical twins. And probably some of you have had friends like that too. And you would think they would especially come out the same. But boy, these these guys were very different from each other. In every case that I ever met identical twins and got to know them well enough, I knew that they were really different. So the I Made My Box thing is, is interesting to investigate because it means that each one of the bricks, each meme that's a construct, each meme in your, in your box construct, you chose to put it there. And there's a reason behind it. And it's probably a good reason. It isn't, it isn't even a bad reason. It's some, something happened, you saw something, you copied something, you decided something, and you, and, you just, and you put that piece together into your construct to build up this survival wagon for yourself, a little spaceship for yourself to go through life in. So it's, it's amazing to go, okay, I made my box. Then, therefore, no, I have no one else to blame ever again for anything about the way I interact with the world. My success or failure, my health or non-health, really my, my joy or non-joy, my, my, rela- my relationship skills, like all of this. So back to the book, leaving the domain of ordinary human relationship begins by making choice number two, I made my box welcome to radical responsibility. The next section is called From Protection to Imprisonment, The Mechanics of the Box. A bird's eggshell is designed to protect the baby bird until it can stand on its own two feet. A chrysalis is designed to protect a caterpillar's transformation into something that can fly. Likewise, the box is designed to defend uh, a I want like a a pupa stage of a human being until we are ready to shift from childhood to our life as free and natural adult human being. The transition from childhood to adulthood is intended to take place at around 18 years of age. I used to think it was 15, but then I started working with 15-year-olds and 17-year-olds, and it, it was... would nothing happen they mostly it was because they were still in a school and to survive in school they have to uh, completely give away their authority completely give away their identity and submit to external teachers and uh, old people authority figures they have to just completely become robots in in a way to survive in school they don't have enough free choice or presence to function to to function within adulthood initiatory processes so i changed my mind to 18 years of age we are not structurally capable of taking responsibility before then but tragically our culture does not provide initiatory processes for us if we do not go the initiations that change the purpose of our box from its original defensiveness and purely survival-based purpose to a mature, expansive, self-development, evolutionary purpose, then our box, which once protected us, then becomes our prison. So this this is how it happens. It's from protection to imprisonment and it's the same box, the same exact box. What's different is what's inside the box. Before around 18 years of age, we don't have enough matrix to be take responsibility in this life. After 18 years of age, approximately, we have enough matrix to be responsible. So the being inside the box has evolved to the point where it's ready to fly out of the nest, so to speak. And then what we've... We, we can't even make the first step we can't even we can't even yodel out loud because the, this the, the cocoon is so tight around us the box is so, so so the mechanical construct that we built and it's so solid we we do not have freedom of movement to, move, to make these efforts <clears throat>
0: If your box is dedicated to defending itself,
1: most of your actions will be to protect your positions, to blame or attack others, to compete for resources, to justify yourself, to regard yourself as right and others as wrong, to feel resentment and, as a last resort, to destroy or isolate yourself. These strategies are the foundation for creating ordinary human relationship. If you change the purpose of your box from defending itself to expanding itself, then your actions will have a completely different quality. A box dedicated to expanding itself directs your actions towards you, know, you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, and instead of counting your enemies, You you take actions for self-development, for discovery, for trying new things, for learning, for growth, for welcoming surprises and doing experiments and so on. So it's a different, completely different orientation towards your life. If your box is dedicated to expanding itself, you'll wake up and do experiments starting before you put your feet on the floor. Reading a book such as this and practicing with the suggested experiments is a box expanding action. Our box long ago concluded that if it can survive, then we can survive. That ancient decision still holds dominance until you radically change the game you are playing. You certainly have proof that if your box can defend itself, then you can continue to survive. But here are some striking examples of the opposite. So the the examples are of a box defending itself, and the example is that we don't survive. So for example, a driver yells at another driver who offends him, basically offends his box, even when the emotional outburst makes his lack of attention dangerous for himself and he crashes his car or people buy things on credit because the box wants them or the box justifies it or the box has this belief system that says oh, i you know i find, if i want something i should have it even though they cannot afford to have those things when the debt becomes overwhelming people feel nervous lose self-respect, live miserable lives, and sometimes even commit suicide. Example number three, instead of being truly angry or truly sad, which the box won't allow, the box says, no, you can't be angry, you can't be sad, you have to be happy. Then people mix, then you mix the feelings together and you end up in a depression that seems hopeless enough that they might even commit suicide again. So these are, these are examples of how the box trying to make itself survive ends up in a person actually dying. So people get cosmetic surgeries and surgical implants to look good or to,
0: to make... have.